Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, uh, you may be thinking, man, we only played two songs. And maybe you're like, oh, it's going to be a shorter day today. Um, well, it's not. <laughs> Don't get too excited. We won't keep you here any longer than we normally do, but we intentionally... Um, Back uh, the the back the rear end of our service, which sounds really weird now that that came out of my mouth. The end of our service, uh, we're put more worship because I'm going to talk about worship um, today, which I, I totally missed until um, Elder Don texted me this morning. Is uh, Pentecost Sunday, um, and if you've been reading the One Year Bible, you literally read about it today or yesterday. Um, the church was born. Hear this. Not because of the work of man. The church was born because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And your life and your legacy and your purpose is going to be tied not to the work of you. But the work that you allow the Holy Spirit to do in you. So this is a great tie-in. Uh, we've been all year talking about this idea of what does it look like for us to live like Jesus is greater. I fully, fully believe that every one of your issues, every one of my issues is an area in my life where something is greater than Jesus. Period. And if we could switch that, our lives would be much better. <laughs> I don't think we can achieve perfection. That's not this church. If you think that, you know, if you do all the right things, you're going to be perfect and you're going to be complete. I don't think that's necessary. We're a work in progress. That's not the Holy Spirit, by the way. That's a faulty AC system. And they're going to open the door and it'll stop in a second. But it is going to be changed um, by what you allow God to do in you. And it's your view of who Jesus is that's going to change that. And so this morning... Um, we're going to talk about worship. And you're like, oh, what may that mean? So the question isn't necessarily, do we worship? Because every single person in this room worships. You may not call it that, but you do. The question is, what or who do you worship? Webster's defines Worship as to adore, idolize, esteem worthy, reverence, loving, um, or admiring devotion. So why is it easy for us to worship things in this world? Again, you don't call it worship. You don't bow at the uh, altar of your bank account or bow at the altar of your nice new car outside or bow at the altar of your house or relationships or fill in the blank. But it's easy to worship those things. It's easy to go to a concert. Uh, it's easy to go to a sporting event. No one tells you, if you like the team, no one tells you to be excited about that team. No one tells you when to cheer or how to cheer. You just do it. Uh, when my son was 12, he and I went on a 12-year-old adventure, something I've done with all of my children. Um, and he, for whatever reason, is a super fan of the Green Bay Packers. Anybody else? 
<laughs> okay, well, so for his 12-year-old adventure, we flew to Chicago, drew, uh, drove up, and went to Lambeau Field with 78,000 other people to watch the Green Bay Packers play. And let me just tell you, if you don't know me, I'm not like a sports guy. Like, I like to play sports. I don't watch sports. There's things that I'd much rather do than watch it. So I wouldn't turn on a football game and watch it in my house unless I was relationally trying to connect with somebody and we're watching it. Um, but like, I'm telling you, being there, completely different. It made me want to be a football fan. Like I was there cheering. You didn't have to tell me to do the wave when the wave came around. You didn't have to tell me to like get excited when they score a touchdown. It just happened because you're charged with the people around you because you admire and this is the idiotic part of it. You admire adult men wearing tight uniforms with pads on trying to crush each other to carry a little pigskin football from one end of the field to the other. And people will divide relationships with other people over that. People will completely lose their mess when their team doesn't make it pass. I mean, they'll be in misery, depressed, like, oh, my gosh. Over a sporting team. And let me, let me don't, uh, I'm not a concert guy either. Um, it's just loud. I guess I'm getting old. It's always been loud to me, though. Um, but, you know, like going to a concert, like we, we get excited. We raise our hands. We get, you know, we'll use our phones and be like, yes, over a song that five to ten years from now you probably won't even remember. But in that moment, we're worshiping this thing. So why, why is it easy for us to worship that? I think it's easy to worship something that's in the world because you get to worship on your own terms. You get to worship when you feel like it. It's not so with Jesus. When Jesus is greater, we worship because he's worthy of worship all the time. Not in their good seasons. We're not fair-weather fans that track with Jesus and worship Jesus when life is good and money's in the bank and there's no health concerns. We follow Jesus and worship Jesus because he deserves it and he's worthy of it. Period. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and truth. Um, John 14, or sorry, 4 Verse 23, it says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He is seeking people to worship. And I'm going to talk about worship and we're going to have songs at the end so that we can worship. But let me just, I don't want you to miss the point that worship is something that we only do on Sunday morning. Worship is only something to do when there's a band in front of us. Worship is something that we live. Period. And so if we don't live worship out there, it's real difficult to come in here and worship because you're like, ah, people are watching. People are looking. And let me just, let me also confess. I can't clap on beat. If you watch, I will. If they watch me, they're going to ruin their rhythm because, like, I can't do it. I can sing or clap. I can't do both. 
And my singing, if you've heard me, isn't that great, but I don't care. Like, I sit in the corner. Easter, we had all these up here in that corner, like, amplified it. And I'm sorry if you heard me. But we sing. We worship because he deserves it. Disciples of Jesus worship not just with their mouth, but with their hearts. Let me just tell you this. You can look like you worship Jesus in here. And people can look at you and be like, man, they get it, and you miss it. Listen to this. Matthew 15, verse 8, it says, The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. In vain do they worship me. Worshiping just with our... I mean, even if you do all the things that we are going to talk about today... (laughs) Singing, raising our hands, clapping, playing instruments. If your heart isn't there, you're not worshiping. He doesn't want people that look. Okay, hear this. Jesus is not interested in people that look like they follow him. He's interested in people that actually follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, only you can can convince our hearts that you're worthy of worship. So I pray through the scripture that we talk about today, through the encounter that we talk about today, that you would turn our hearts towards you so that worship becomes something that we do and something, not just something that we do, it becomes who we are. Lord, you're worthy of worship because you are the Savior King that made a way for me To have a relationship with the Father. You settled the idea of do you love us with Jesus in the cross. Let us see that. Let us be transformed by it. And help us worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that some of you are already uncomfortable because we're talking about worship. Many may think to yourselves, like I just acknowledged about my own self when I'm trying to make you feel better, is that I don't sing well, and I think it's weird to raise my hands, and I'm not sure if I'll be dancing in the aisles. Some of you are thinking right now, is that what kind of church I just entered into? Not really, but if you want to dance, as long as you don't hit anybody else in your dancing, go for it. I've been in churches like when we first started going to the church that sent us here with this lady that she would get the flags and she would go running up and down the aisles. And about the third time I get hit in the face with the flag, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) But if you need to do that, all I say is like, don't hinder anybody else. Run in the back. So I'm going to preach kind of a a weird section about worship. Just to be completely honest, um, John 12, verses 1 through 8. It's going to be on the screen, but this is an encounter with Mary at Lazarus' house. So just for those that are unfamiliar with who Lazarus is and all this other stuff, let let me just lay some groundwork. Jesus was really close friends with a family, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. 
And Jesus got a note from one of the sisters that Lazarus, his friend, the one he loved, like his friend that he loved enough that he should come, that he's, he's sick and he's probably going to die. And Jesus lingers and waits and does some other stuff. And finally gets there, but he gets there four days late. Meaning Lazarus has been sitting in the tomb for four days. It was not climate controlled. This is in the in a cave, in a hole that has a stone covered over it. And, and the sisters run out and they have this interaction with Jesus. And they're like, if you would have only been here, he'd still be alive. And he said, remember, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We know that in the end, there'll be resurrection. Yes, yes, later on, but what about right now? And he says, take me to the tomb. And he goes to the tomb and he says, roll away the stone, which is odd. Just That's like saying, hey, let's go to the graveyard. Can you dig this guy up? Can we open the coffin? Can we see him again? And they say the only logical thing that you say when you open a tomb of somebody that's been in it for four or five days, it's going to smell. They open the tomb and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. I don't know how he got up, but he got up and he starts coming out and he's bound in these grave dressings. The ones that they used for Jesus was 75 pounds worth of stuff. I don't know how much they put on Lazarus, but he's out. And and Jesus' one comment was, unbind him. He's alive. And so what we're going to read today is a dinner that they have at Lazarus' house after his comeback to life experience. Let's jump in. Verse 8. Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. I'm telling you. You don't have to worry about worship in a house that has seen the resurrection. And so Jesus is in the room. Um, They're having dinner. And a crazy thing. I'm telling you that you're like, what is this? This is a weird worship message, but just hang with me. Verse two, it says, so they gave, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. (laughs) Surprise. Uh, And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took and poured an expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed his feet, the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Let me just tell you. Worship, real worship to Jesus is costly. We're going to hear a little bit about this in a second because the opposing side of wrong worship is going to be ready to speak in the next verse. But let me get there. The ointment that she just poured out on Jesus' feet, they say in the next section, is worth 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage for a laborer. So if you look at it through our lens, um, let's say 
I know eight hours is the typical work day now. Eight hours is not the typical work day then. But we're just going to say ten. Ten hours. $7.25 is the minimum wage. I looked that up. That's the minimum wage. At least Google. Google may have lied to me, but that's what it said. $7.25, 10 hours a day for 300 days. 300 denarii, 300 work. $21,750. $21,750 poured on his feet, anointed his feet. Did she care? Was she worried about the cost of it? Was she thinking, oh, what is this going to do to my bank account? And this is not a giving message, by the way. Okay. She was overcome for the worthiness of Jesus. That all she could think about is what can I do to show my love and esteem and affection for Jesus. So not only is real worship costly, but real worship is personal. Mary got up close and personal. And let me just tell you, it would just, it is awkward as it is today. It was awkward then. If I'm having a dinner party and we're sitting around in our living room and someone comes in or maybe a party participant and then starts to take off my shoes and socks... Pour some anointing oil on my feet and starts taking their hair and cleaning my feet with them. For one, my wife would be like, what the world is going on? I did not approve this. Like, nah, lady. Like, I appreciate what you think you're trying to do. But, I mean, it was awkward. But it was personal. It was, you know, when you get in somebody's feet. Like, I look around at people's feet and they're like, oh, don't touch my feet. Um, But, you, you know, it was personal. She was there. And I heard this in a, a secular book I'm listening to this week, and I loved it. And this is the truth. You can probably just go home with this statement, if it's connected to Jesus. Where the heart goes, the body will follow. So Mary's body followed to the person who deserved the worship. See, the truth is that the focus of our worship Always demands close proximity to it. If you worship sports, you will be as close as you can to the action. If you worship money, you will be as close as you can to making as much of it as you can. If you worship acceptance, you will be as close as you can to those who want, you want to be accepted by. But if you worship Jesus... You will do whatever you have to do to be close to him and him alone. So here's Mary in this act of worship in front of people. She did not care what it looked like or the social prerogative or how much money this cost. She wanted to show her affection for Jesus. And when Jesus raises your brother out of the tomb and you see this, it's easy to worship. And you're thinking, well, he hasn't raised anybody out of the dead that I've seen. And if you're here and you're a child of God, hello, resurrection. You are the resurrection and the life. We get to see it all the time. Here's the other side of worship. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, 
said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? If we just left it there and you knew nothing about Judas, you'd be like, yeah, $21,750. We could do a lot with feeding the poor. We could do a lot that would honor God. Verse 6, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself with what was put into it. So his view was like, if I could have taken this, put that $21,500 in our bank, then I could take a little bit of it for myself. So he was doing exactly what false worship looks like. He was taking from God something that belonged to him. This is what we do when our heart worships something other than Jesus. We take what belonged to him and we almost always take it for ourselves. And we go, oh, I, I can expend my time, effort, energy, and money on this thing. And let me just tell you, I know we talk about it. And I promise Amazon doesn't give me any money to talk about Amazon in here. Um, but, like, there's a happy feeling that comes when you click that... <laughs> order and that little box shows up on your porch i'm I, i'm being as transparent as i can there's some worship that goes on with the purchase of things i like things and it's dangerous because things will tell you i will make you happy i will satisfy you and how many things i'm 46 years old how many things have made me happy none I mean, maybe for the moment when you open that box, you'll be like, yeah, I finally got it. And then it's gone. But we worship it because it's easy, because it does something for us. Worship for Jesus, it does something for us, but it's not for us. Where all of our other worship is for us. Judas was worshiping the wrong thing. His heart was given to another God. Verse 7, Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it <clears throat> for the day of my burial. For the poor will always have, uh, for the poor you will always have with you. But you do not always have me. Is Jesus saying, hey, we need to take all of our money and invest in anointment oil and spend it there because, you know, the poor have no value absolutely not but he's also saying don't hear this i'm always a little scared on sunday mornings because there are lots of stuff that comes out of my mouth that's not on my paper just if i got two pages of notes here and there's lots of stuff that comes out of my mouth that i don't write down and sometimes god is all over it and sometimes it's just a distraction But where our heart goes, we're going to follow. And so my question for you this morning as we get closer to this moment of going back into worship is where's your heart going? What, what are you looking for to fix your issues? What are you looking for to satisfy you? And the problem is, is we don't think about it. We just do it. We're not thinking. You're not thinking. You're like, Heath, I don't worship other things. Your life and your actions and your bank account communicate something else. 
Because if Jesus was the one that you worship solely, if Jesus was greater, then your effort, energy, and life would be spent, and I don't mean just money, in a different way. We're communicating his value and we're worshiping every day something. When you have experienced the resurrected life, Jesus brings worship to a place that it's natural. Remember last week when we talked about Psalms 51 after David's um, confrontation with Nathaniel, with David's confession of his sin. Verse 14, it says, Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. See, why would you worship here? Look what David just said. Hey, deliver me from my blood guilt, and I'll sing praises to your righteousness. What is... Jesus, in life with Jesus, other than that, every day, the reason why we have the capacity to even think about worship is because he has given us an opportunity to get something that we couldn't get ourselves, which is freedom, which is life, which is joy and peace. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. It says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Verse 16, it says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Listen what he's saying here. So through Christ, two things become worshipful sacrifice in our life. The fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name, that is worship services and singing and praising and repenting and confessing. And secondly, the fruit of our deeds. Worship is not just here singing songs, which we're going to do. And it's a big part of it. But worship is tomorrow how you treat other people. The deeds of your life is worship because worship is a decision that I'm going to do one thing over another. And tomorrow... This afternoon, 30 minutes from now, you get to make decisions of how you're going to worship. And we can worship God by how we treat other people. We can worship God by our actions, how we serve and how we love. That is how others will know who we are, by how we love. Psalms give us a... um, a good indication, I don't know if you know this, but psalms were meant to be sung. That's what they are. They're songs. They're praising and worshiping God. I think, um, I didn't write it down here, but I think 68 times in the psalms it talks about worshiping, specifically singing. There's three different things that we can do with our, our voice and our posture and our hands. Psalms 34.1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Speaking. Our words communicate worship. Shouting. Psalms 27.6. It says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. 
By singing. Psalms 47, 6. It says, sing praises to God. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. Our posture. Bowing. Psalms 95, 6. It says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Standing. Psalms 119, 120. It says, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe. Dancing. For those that are ready to break out into the aisle. Psalms 149.3, it says, Let the praise of His name with dancing and making music to Him with the tambourine and the harp. See, some people are like, man, I knew today was the day to bring the tambourine. (laughs) With our hands playing instruments. Psalms 33, verses 2 and 3, it says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. Look, look, I've already told you that I can't sing, and I've owned a guitar for 25 years. Owned. I didn't say played. Owned. Still have it. One day, when I'm stuck in my house, I'm going to learn to play that thing. But, like, I don't have this skill. But one of the ways that we can worship is by the gifts that God's given us, by playing instruments. And I hope you guys are grateful because, like, we had humble beginnings. We like we we've had periods where there's one person up there, and 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 look look at, look at all this stuff. Look at all these people clapping, whether in rhythm or not. It doesn't say anything about that in this verse. Psalms 47 verse one. It says, "Clap your hands, all you nations! Shout to God with the cries of joy." Lifting hands. Psalm 63, 4. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Look. This may feel a little pressure-oriented. The good thing is, I'm going to be up front, and I'm not going to be looking at any of you. That's why I sit up here. You guys are a distraction to me. Some because you're late. And I think, what? where's everybody at? Like, why? what did I say last week that they don't like me and they're here late? Like, okay, okay, Jesus forgives you. Can you still worship if you're late, okay? But I sit up here because I am not here to worship for you. You're not here to worship for me. You're not here to worship for our worship team. If you today, during our closing songs, go to town to impress us, you have missed the point. Because you're not here to worship us or our band. You're here to worship a God who put on skin. And who came here and did... What we could never do, lived a sinless life, chose willingly to go to the cross, to die, to pay the penalty of our sin. And through that, we get an option to have life. (laughs) And so the reason why we worship isn't because everything's going well. The reason why we worship is because we're not in control. He is. And the reason why we worship is because, and only because, he's worthy of it. 
going to invite our worship team back up. Um, How we worship is a declaration of our understanding of who Jesus is. And let me let me clear let me clear the air. You can have the most profound worship in here sitting on that seat. You can be kneeling on the ground, you can be standing eyes closed and be giving the worship that Jesus desires. We're not asking for a performance on your end. We're asking that you spend a little time at the end of the service and to declare in any way you want who Jesus is to you. That's what worship is. Worship is a declaration of how good God has been to you. And if I can confess, I believe God has been too good to me. And I still struggle to worship like I should. So this morning, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to go back into worship. I think we have three songs. Um, And you do what you need to do. Sit for as long as you need to sit. Sing as loud as you want to sing. Clap as offbeat as you want to clap. Most of them have in-ears, so they won't even be able to hear you. And worship and declare. This next three songs could just literally be you telling God... As quietly or as loudly as you want, how thankful you are that he would even choose you. That he would come and show his love for you on the cross. And and maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe the the, the beginning of worship is really us determining he's worthy of worship because of what he's done for us, and and maybe there's people in this room that are like, well, I can't worship somebody I don't really know, and uh, and you don't have to. But our our encouragement to you is to discover and get to know Him and choose whether He's worthy to be worshipped. We believe, and this is why we give ourselves to this every Sunday to put this together. We believe that Jesus is worthy of all of our effort and energy. And the reason why I moved here with eight other families is because we believe that Jesus has purpose and mission in this city. And if we can get people that live worship, it will attract other people. When Pentecost came, they heard that loud noise and people came. You know what happened? 3,000 people got saved. But Peter, the same guy who denied Jesus three times, cut off somebody's ear, and let me, I, I don't believe he preached a great message. He preached the truth, and they were probably real good words. But the Holy Spirit took over. And he was finally ready to surrender. Because Jesus had had the conversation with him. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love him, you worship. Let's pray. Dearly Father, um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you that even to the doubters, you showed your hands and feet. 
called Thomas to, to touch when he said, Until I see, I will not believe. And your words right after that is, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Let it be us today that we believe who you are and what you've done. And our life reflects that. And so, Lord, as we worship, as we sing praises to you, as we lift our hands, as we shout our praises to you, Lord, I pray that you would break something in us. You would break chains, that you would break these things that have bound us for way too long. Lord, let worship, correct worship, set us free. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.